sit over here on the other side of Phil. Watch it, Phil. I remember from Dinuba. Did you go to Dinuba? First family and good morning. It's a crisp fall morning and I definitely wish I wore a jacket when I rode the motorcycle in today. <laughs> but I didn't, so I'm just now thawing out. And I hope everybody's week was found in the goodness of the Lord. If you're new, welcome. If you're a regular worship attender, awesome. And for today is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in, in it today. And we're excited to worship the Lord as the Spirit of God continues to move in our hearts. So let's go before God as His people of prayer. prayer. Oh yeah, we're right there. Heavenly Father, Lord, You are the source of love, the creator of all we have, all we are, and all we hope to become. Thank You for allowing us to be at peace with You through Your Son who laid down His life so we may be saved. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit of truth and life that gives, that guides us and enlivens our souls. And please, Lord, remind us that we are made on purpose and for purpose. And, and for this moment in the, the busyness and of business of the week and of life and the rushing around and all the adventures that were probably happening this weekend, we just ask that you would just give us rest. Allow us to be still. Open our hearts and, and tend to them. Let us set all those worries and burdens that are going to come crashing in later in the week or even later on this evening be put aside that we may be before you. And we thank you for showing us how to love others, Lord, through your example of holy, sacrificial love. 
And we lift up our brothers and sisters to you and ask your forgiveness when we don't show them love or help them in times of need. And we also ask you help us to open our hearts to forgive our sisters and brothers when they cause us harm or act unlovingly. Reorient us, your people, to see each other through your eyes. And Lord, we also lift up our nation and ask for unity and mercy and grace and your peace to reign. And we ask for healing for those that have been violated and attacked this week, such as the Pelosi family. Uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And please just heal our nation from the division and polarization that we're witnessing around us. Show us how to better honor you and to better honor your image into others, whether they know you or love you or not, or know us or love us or not. We also live up our leaders, our president, our governors, and, and local leaders to you. And we bring our prayers and petitions to you alone in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Boo. All right. My, my conception of worship has always been built around that verse in Psalms that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I've always been able to make a noise. And uh, since God has filled me with this spirit and changed my life, uh, when I allow him to, when I'm not looking at myself and keeping my eyes on him, his joy fills my heart. Let's sing joyfully today. Let's make a joyful noise into the Lord because what a great God we serve. There's a beautiful little chorus, and, and uh, I remember this barely when, when uh, Brother Merlin called me last night. Behold what manner of love. And we practiced it a little bit this morning. It's a beautiful chorus. And, and it goes, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God, that we should be called the sons of God. Isn't that great? Brother Merlin. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God, that we should be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God, that we should be called the sons of God. And brothers and sisters, as I lose everything up here, the idea that we are actually children of the King. In the old hippie time of, of life, they would say that would just blow your mind. But in Jesus, we are new creatures in Christ and we are indeed his children. Brother, uh, uh, Child of the King, uh, hymn number 361. We'll sing all four verses.
My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king, with Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the king. My father's own son, the savior of men, once wandered o'er earth as the poorest of them. But now he is reigning forever on high and will give me a home in heaven by and by. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king with Jesus my Savior. I'm a child of the King. I once was an outcast, stranger on earth, a sinner by choice and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted my name's written down, I'm heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king, with Jesus my savior, I'm a child of the king. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still I may sing all glory to God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king, with Jesus my savior, I'm a child of the king. Brother and sister, if you are a child of the king, this would be a great place to say amen. Amen. Missions moment. Uh, this morning we're going to pray for our community. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows it, but tomorrow's Halloween. So you can tell because of all the pumpkins and scary stuff in front of people's houses. Uh, and then, although we're not having trunk or treat, and I do want to say that next year it's going to be off the hook. We're really excited and we're going to start planning early, probably in early uh, summer. 
But since we're not going to be actively engaging in the community with Trunk or Treat this year, we want to lift up and pray for the children and the families that are going to be going door to door, as well as the homes that are passing out candy, because we desire all everyone to be safe from harm. And let have a wonderful night of laughter, of, of friendship, of family, of sugar. And, and let us all let us all keep a missional mind and be oriented as we engage in our community tomorrow night. To keep Christ at the forefront um, in our mouths and how we act and how we think. And so with that, let's pray. Lord, we do love you. And we lift up our community with your holy love. And we ask you to, to just cover and protect our community. Protect the children and the families and, and those passing out candy tomorrow night in your care. And please keep all involved and all the activities tomorrow night safe and, and from harm. And let the streets be filled with laughter, friendship, family, fun. And we also ask that you reveal yourselves to those in our community and give us opportunities to reveal you to those we engage. Please touch the souls of our community that they would come to eternal faith in you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, I have found this to be the case. Because I'm a child of the King, because he has loved me so much to send his son to be my savior, he walks and talks with me, uh, fills me with his spirit because he leads and guides and directs. I find more and more that the only thing in life that really matters is Jesus Christ. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Hymn number 108. Verses 1, 2, 4, and 5. Please stand if you care to. Worship wherever you're at. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus? By his presence all divine. True and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call him mine. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. Love of Christ so freely given, grace of God beyond degree, mercy higher than the heavens, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Life to me, and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see 
Every need is hand supplied. Every good in him I see. On his strength divine relying. He is all in all to me. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. Can I stop right here? Can I stop right here? I was dealing with a veteran Friday morning. This man's about three quarters toward heaven. And I walk in and I lean over. He can barely whisper and ask him how he was doing. Talked, asked about his family. And he nodded and whispered. And I figured we we're about done here. And I was getting ready to pray when he looked at me and he says, Chaplain, Jesus Christ is everything to me. All my life, he has led me and his spirit has filled me. And when I have failed him, he has never failed me. And I'm getting emotional. I'm getting emotional. And he says, Chaplain, I don't know what death is like. Hear this. But I know what Jesus is like. And he will never leave nor forsake. Pray for me, Chaplain. And I got through the prayer. And I walked outside the, the door into the hallway. And I thought to myself, that's what it's all about. In life, in death. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Praise God. Fourth verse, fifth verse. By the crystal flowing river, with the ransomed I will sing, and forever and forever praise and glorify the King. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. What are we talking about? We're talking about grace. We're talking about amazing grace. Hymn number 85, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Merlin called last night and said, Steve, we're gonna sing all five verses, and if you give me trouble, I'm gonna whip you. We're gonna sing all five verses. He didn't say about whipping me, but I think he would. <laughs> the fifth verse is a great verse. Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Brother Merlin. Sing 
this to Jesus. Sing it to Jesus.
Sure. Do you know of anybody? Oh, oh. Now, on Sundays, the shop is closed on account of it being the Lord's Day and all. You a church going, man, Jeffrey? Yes, sir. Good boy. Do you eat Chick-fil-A? The chicken place? Oh, yeah. Not on Sundays, you don't. No. Now, on Sundays, the shop is closed on account of it being the Lord's Day and all. You a church going, man, Jeffrey? Yes, sir. Good boy. Do you eat Chick-fil-A? The chicken place? Oh, yeah. Not on Sundays, you don't. No. Mm -mm. No, sir. No. Now, on Sunday, we've got a very special day coming up. Do you know what that day is? Um, Daylight Saving Sunday. Oh, yeah. Our pastor every year. We have to reset all the clocks because if we don't, people won't get to church on time, Jeffrey. Right. That's going to be your first job, resetting all the clocks for Daylight Saving. Oh, all, all the clocks? Want to be on time for church, don't we, Jeffrey? Yes, sir. I was setting all the clocks like you told me to for a daylight saving. That I did, but I didn't tell you to lose me an hour of sleep, did I? No. Oh. <laughs> it's supposed to fall back. Clocks fall back. <laughs> so, does that mean I have to change all the clocks? Yep!
Fresno First Church of Nazarene. Click on that, and uh, the church will get a check from Amazon uh, a couple times a year. So with that, if you have your Bibles and apps, we're going to be landing in 1 John chapter 3, 16 through 24 this week. <clears throat> and I was perusing the web. I ran across uh, something written by Amber Carlson. And she's a student of culture, and she blogs regularly. And uh, she wrote a piece regarding sacrifice and passion. And so I want to share it with us this morning in a very paraphrased form. Uh, and she, she writes, everybody's talking about finding your passion these days. Maybe you already know what your passion is, but what does it really mean to actually be passionate about something? Nowadays, we commonly understand passion to mean this intense love, a, a desire, infatuation, or enthusiasm. If you're a musician, uh, you might say that music is your passion because it, it it's something that you love to do. But more importantly, passions add purpose and meaning to our life. And this calls us to ask ourselves, why does it add meaning and purpose to my life? And it's not, it's not because you only enjoy or only appreciate music. Our passions are more than that. Maybe it's the melody or the rhythm that, that resonates and moves your soul. Maybe it's a language that you can, you can speak with and communicate with others for hours and hours upon a time and, and never once speak a word. Music is also tied to our most cherished memories because our hearing is powerful and music evokes, evokes memories and emotions that transform the atmosphere in which we are at. It can draw out deep feelings that remind us of who we are in our very core. So if you're passionate about music, it's probably deeper than an enjoyment or an enthusiasm or a desire. Those words probably don't even begin to capture the depth of your love for music or your need for it to be part of your life. See, there's something about passion. And I don't know if you know it, but the word, the word passion comes from the Latin word pati which means to suffer. So when we think about it, what we are passionate about means it is what we are most likely to say yes to, which has the implication that we're going to be saying no to other things. Ultimately, our passions require sacrifice, and the original concept of passion was interwoven with suffering and with, with sacrifice. You couldn't have one without the other. They came as a package deal, and Obviously, language evolves over time, but the original meaning of passions points to this essential truth. When we are passionate about something, it doesn't always mean it's fun or pleasurable. It means we keep it in our lives because it matters so deeply with us. Not always is it going to make us feel good or, or we feel like doing it. We keep our passions in our lives because it resonates with who we are and our very core identity. Some days we'll be in the mood. Some days we will not. Our motivation may wax, it may wane, and our energy level will fluctuate over time. And all of this is completely normal and to be expected. But when something is that important to us that it becomes our passion, when we care enough about it, we will keep saying yes to it anyway. We don't mind the, that we experience the suffering or the sacrifice because it means that much to us. So we make those sacrifices in order that we may continue to do it. 
And that's why when we encounter struggles and setbacks, we just can't quit. That's passion. And that's the kind of thing that motivates us at our soul level. See, this morning we're continuing our series of walking with confidence. And today we're focusing on what it means to walk in spirit of truth and light. And with, with at, uh, which at, it, at its core is revealed through our passions. Specifically for the Lord and what we're willing to sacrifice and suffer for him and his beloved, the church, which is our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 John 3, 16 through 24. We know love by this, that he's laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How did God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in the word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if your hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit he has given us. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen indeed. So our text begins with John reminding the church of... <clears throat> of this example of Jesus and, and how by God's holy, otherworldly, perfect and perfecting love that we have life. And not just any life. Remember, we have eternal life because we are God's children. And we sang about that this morning, which is awesome. And John writes in verse 16, the opening verse of our text this morning, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. We could just stop right there. He laid down his life for us. You know, one of uh, the most famous verses in Scripture, in fact, it was the very first verse I've ever memorized in Scripture. We didn't go to church when I was growing up. Uh, my dad hated Jesus and was got violent if you mentioned his name. That's a sermon for another time. Uh, my mom, she claimed to be a Christian, but we... They never introduced my brother and I to Jesus. It was our, our extended family. And but my first verse I memorized was because my dad watched Sunday football. And uh, some guy in a rainbow wig, every time there was a field goal, held up the sign and said, What? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank God for Sunday football, I say, because <laughs> that was the first verse I memorized because even though my family didn't go to church, God used what my family had to speak to my soul. And so John 3.16 is one of the most well-known verses, and it really sets the theme for verse 16 in our text today. Uh, you see, sometimes there's a hiccup in our thinking. We, 
We like to say, so God so loved. That God loves and, and God sent Jesus by God's love. And we forget that over and over and over again in the Gospel of John and, and in our thinking and our hiccup, we kind of separate the Father and the Son and their love and, and the love for all of us. And, and we see in the Gospel of John after John 3.16 that Jesus says his will is the will of the Father. That his words are the words the Father give them. That his judgment is of the Father and the Father and he are one. So if God so loved the world, Jesus so loved the world, the Holy Spirit so loved the world, because we worship and believe in a triune God, a three-in-one and a one-in-three. And that makes a difference in how we worship, and that makes a difference in how we interact with the world through God's love. And with that, we see that Jesus loves the world with the same holy, perfect, perfecting, sacrificial love that God the Father loves and lavishes on his children. Remember, God lavishes us from this, this love that is not even of this country, but see what country it's from. And it's from this heavenly kingdom that God is establishing on earth. It's his kingdom. And we spoke about that last week. And we see that by Jesus' love that he laid down his life for us and and that in itself is the definition of love. That's passion right there. And we know that God's perfect love is a, a divine love, and in the Greek it's referred to as agape. And, and we know that agape is not just something that's only shared verbally, but is seen and is actionable. And, and most importantly, it's sacrifices. And in those sacrifices and sufferings, divine love shows passion. God the Father did not send God the Son to give warm thoughts and prayers. God sent himself in Christ to example a love that brings life. Jesus didn't sacrifice and suffer for nothing to just say, this is what love is. He did so so that love could have a purpose, and that purpose is to bring life, and not any life, a thriving life in God's kingdom that is eternal life. And that's the life that we are to example. And that's the life that Jesus shows us. And that's the life in Scripture that we are to follow as his disciples. And it's noteworthy to mention that, that Jesus' last week prior to his, his death and resurrection is what we refer to as Holy Week. We all call it Holy Week, right? Hey, Holy Week is coming up and we're going to have Good Friday, which thank you Merlin for reminding me that that's more in the uh, Lent season and not the Advent season because I got my major Christian holidays mixed up a couple weeks ago and mine wasn't focused too, too heavily. And, uh, but we also call the week of uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, we call it Passion Week. And Jesus' passion meant that he was going to suffer, that he was going to sacrifice for all the world because of his love that brings life. And the world, the world is Jesus' passion. And every one of us that are in it, from time ago to time now to time to come. And for all that very reason, because Jesus is passionate for the world, we ought to be in line with Jesus' passion for the world. And like I mentioned a few, few minutes ago, the word passion comes from the Latin word pati, which is to suffer. And when we think about it, what we are passionate about means that we are willing to sacrifice and suffer because it comes deep within our souls. And we can't have it, our passion, without our sacrifice, without our suffering. I mean, Shelly and I have been married for 24 years, going on five. She sacrificed her life 
to be committed to me when she probably could have done much better. <laughs> but that's a sacrifice, and she said yes to me. She said no to everybody else, and I'm thankful for it. The, um, and see, we would ask ourselves to do well if our passions are revealing sacrifice and our willingness to sacrifice, then to what end and to whom are we willing to suffer for? Are we willing to sacrifice and suffer for God? It's a fair question. Are we willing to sacrifice and suffer for the world that they would know God? That's a little deeper. Are we willing to, to sacrifice for God's children, his beloved, our brothers and sisters, the church? See, John continued his letter that said that Jesus lays down his life for, for us through suffering and sacrifice and passion so that we can live because of this truth. And John writes, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Some translations replace this one another with brothers and sisters because that is what we are, for we are all children of God, and that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ by faith in Him. And John is writing specifically to an audience of believers. See, in our passions, we'd be willing to sacrifice and suffer. We need to be willing to sacrifice and suffer to bring forth life in one another and life in the church. To bring forth life one another here at Fresno First Church in Nazarene. And, and we can only reveal this call of Christ as much as we are fueled by the Holy Spirit, which is the truth of God and life through holy love, in us and through us, for the family of God. And we are to sacrifice ourselves for our sisters and brothers because of the love that Jesus example. And if we are to sacrifice ourselves for our brothers and sisters because of the love of Jesus' examples, we do so because we are passionate about Christ and his church because Jesus is passionate about Christ and his church. Which implies that you can't have the opposite be true. We don't sacrifice our brothers and sisters for the sake of our passions. We don't sacrifice our brothers and sisters for the sake of our passions. That's something that is, is easily mixed up. See, one is motivated by holy love. The other is motivated by self-love. And there's a huge difference between loving ourselves and self-love. Loving ourselves when we see our eye, or see ourselves through the lens of Scripture that we are made in the image and likeness of God, as well as the truth that God loves us and died for us. That because of God's love that we inherently have value in this life. And we are not martyrs. We are not... We do not sacrifice for the sake of sacrificing. We, we are not doormats. We are God's children. We are family. And that means we are valuable and precious. So if everybody look at somebody else and say, we are valuable and precious. you got to turn to somebody. We are valuable and precious. There we go. Yes, we are. And I would encourage you to... To put that, at, like that message someplace where you can see it all week. We are valuable and precious because oftentimes we don't feel that way. And that distorts the way we interact with God, with each other, and in the world. And see, we are God's children, and when we see ourselves through that lens, when we see ourselves through the lens of, as being made in the image of likeness of God, that lens of God's love for the world and how he lavishes his love and suffers for his love and sacrifices for the love of his children, us, then loving ourselves means we need to recognize our value and therefore act in ways that bring out the fullness of life 
not just in us, but with others as we walk as Jesus walked. And it's because if we don't love ourselves as God loves us, how can we say we love others? We can't. We suffer and we sacrifice for one another because Jesus did. And the purpose is to bring life. And life begets life. And when it's motivated and passionate by the love that comes from God, it means that we ought to love each other with, with the love of Christ. And loving ourselves means we understand that God really does love us and wants to see ourselves and others through his eyes. And John continues in verse 17. <clears throat> that... How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help? It almost feels like we jump from this high and lofty transcendent, transcendent thought of holy divine love and, and this awe-inspiring lift our souls up. Yes, I'm willing to sacrifice. Yes, I'm willing to suffer for Christ and for those people that he loved, which is the entire world. And, and now John goes ahead and brings back this. How does God's love abide in anyone who has a world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help? One of the reasons I love John is he's down and dirty and he's practical. You need to have this first and establish a, a pure heart and mind and thinking in all your life to be centered and focused on Jesus and what he was willing to suffer for and live that out. And this is what it looks like. See, we talk about God's love and, and all the truths, and, and we do them for our family. We do them for our church. We do them for our friends and, and those agree with, those we have things in common with, and it makes us feel good. But John takes it further. He says, sacrificial love, that love of God, that love that Jesus examples is not exclusive to just those that we have fellowship with. It's only not only those, not just those that we agree with or or hold the same values. Sacrificial love, this holy love, this otherworldly perfect and perfecting love, this agape love, means that we are obligated. God is obligating us to respond to all of our brothers and sisters, all of his children in need. Even if we stand against them culturally or socially, if we see a brother or sister in need and we have the resources to assist, we assist because of the love of God inside of us, which comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And we do so prayerfully and, and do it with wisdom and discernment as well as with others in the church for accountability and, and to do so as much as possible. And if we refuse to do, do that to those in the family of God that are in need, John questions whether we're following Christ or not. See, in sacrificing for our brothers and sisters, it doesn't mean we agree with them. It doesn't mean we enable others or we don't overextend ourselves to the point that we experience not just hardship, but brokenness. It doesn't mean that we take over other people's problems for them. It means that the actions we take as we engage in others with God's love brings forth greater life in their life. And further requires that we value ourselves and we honor healthy boundaries. See, we can't help everyone, but when everyone helps, everybody's needs are addressed. You see, I wouldn't drive an addict. I, I will drive an addict to a recovery meeting, but I'm not going to go get an addict dose. 
The first brings life and the second brings death. And in our passions and our suffering and our sacrificial love, we assist where we can be of service to bring life to the improvement of one another. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be supportive. It might be prayerful. Uh, it could be letting someone have a bed for the night or a couch or a cot. Or it might be to share a hot meal or to just listen to someone as they share their life stories so they actually are talking to another human being and they feel as though they're heard. How many times have we isolated ourselves and gone day after day after day of not having a meaningful conversation and all, all we long for is for someone to, to love me enough to go ahead and listen to me just share life so I am reminded again that I'm a human being, that God loves me, I made his image and likeness. Sometimes it just takes as someone who has patience and has ears and is willing to set aside the craziness of the day and focus single-minded on someone else. See, we could even offer wisdom or, or sacrificing our schedule, which my experience is the one thing that keeps most of us from assisting others because it messes up or makes inconvenient in, in our timetables. Time but if we are to have the love of God in us, it's brightest when we are of service to those in God's family that we disagree with most. Remember, holy love, agape love, seeks to find the best of one another even when we don't necessarily appreciate that person. Because holy love brings out the best from within us. Because it's a holy love that only comes from God. It's an otherworldly love. And this is walking in the spirit of truth and life, which shows the sacrificial love is not an abstract spiritual or theological truth. It is very practical. This sacrificial love is a tangible, physical expression to the point of giving ourselves up and suffering for our brothers and sisters without prejudice to the benefit and toward the fullness of life so that they can experience God in a new way. And we sacrifice for others because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That shows us what it means to reveal life that brings love. So speaking of, of a life that brings love and a sacrifice and suffering that brings love, it reminds me of a story of a little girl named Liz who was suffering from a very rare and serious deadly disease. Her only chance of recovery was a, a blood transfusion from her five-year-old little brother who miraculously survived the same disease and had developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. In fact, it was, it was little Liz's last chance as she began to fade downhill quickly. And the, the doctor explained to her little brother and asked the little boy if he'd be willing to give blood to his sister. And after a moment of hesitation, the the little boy took a deep breath, looked at his sister, looked up at the doctor and said, if it'll save your life, I'll do it. And so they took him into the OR immediately and they, the transfusion progressed. And, and as he lay on the bed next to his little sister, he smiled as the color in her ashen cheeks began to come back. And her cheeks began to have that vibrant pink glow that he remembered so well over the years in his mind's eyes as the two of them used to play outdoors. And he knew that she was going to live. But then the, the little boy's pale face, um, his smile faded. 
He looked at the doctor, and his voice began to, to tremble a bit, and he couldn't hide the, the fear. And he said, will I die right away, or how soon? See, the boy misunderstood the doctor, and he thought he was going to have to give his sister all of his blood so that she would live. See, in our passions and our sacrifice for our brothers and sisters, we may lose some blood. We may lose some comfort. We may suffer, but in our suffering, it is always towards life. And that life is brought out by God's love. And walking in the spirit of truth and life gives us a confidence before God as his children. You know, and when we learn to reveal the tangible love that Jesus examples, we are walking in the spirit of truth and life. And, and when we do so, we have this confidence before God that we have eternal life. And we can go before God. And we can walk with Jesus and with him in the spirit because of the confidence we have. And John continues, little children, let us not love, not in word and speech, but in truth and actions. In other words, by the spirit of truth and life, which is motivated by holy love. And John's writing this for a reason. It seemed that in the first century, there was a problem with God's people picking and choosing on whom they're going to love and suffer for and whom they will not love and suffer for. And additionally, the Gnostics, we were talking about that last couple weeks, the Gnostics that didn't believe that anything good came from the material world thought, well, that any material goods are bad and they're evil, so why would I help you materially when I'm just adding to evil in your life? And um, if, if the first century readers needed to hear that, I think it's safe to say that we can probably glean some lessons out of this as well. Uh, because the original readers, if they were called to love more fully, is this something we can skip in, in our modern day of polarization and division of violence? See, if we think that we are the exception of the rule, we can ask ourselves, can we love someone sacrificially who's on the other side of the political aisle or has a different theological lens? Can we love someone sacrificially who's a murderer, who's an addict? Can we sacrifice our um, comfort in our homes and our budget if someone who is a, apparently a financial success lost everything and needs help? What if someone is arrogant or higher on the social ladder than, than us? Or what if someone speaks poorly? Can we still help them? According to Scripture, yeah. And those are just the examples of the low-hanging fruit. See, when we do seek the best in others, we read, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. And what a sweetness that verse is, and we skim over it. To have boldness before God, John writes. And you see, this boldness is expressed with an intimacy of confidence before God, an intimacy, and I'll probably share this half a million times, intimacy is into me you see. And when we have intimacy with God, we open ourselves and our lives up in such a transparent and authentic way that God can see into us, into me you see, God. And we're intimate with Him. And this confidence and boldness before God comes from this pure heart that responds through the Spirit and if we feel our hearts are unsettled, we listen and go to God. And we turn around and we start doing the right thing. If we need to take a course of action, we do so. And as our brothers and sisters that believe in the Son of God, we can know that with confidence that we have eternal life and so do they. And we can live and sacrifice so that they can more fully experience that life. 
And we learn that when we are bold before God, we hold nothing back from God. We no longer hold back from His beloved, this church, our sisters and brothers in need. And that boldness and confidence before God lets us speak plainly, frankly, and authentically. An example of transparency and authenticity going before God with confidence as His children may sound something like this. If you run into a situation and someone, someone needs a hand and help up, and you really don't know if you should do it, and you're struggling in your soul. Go before God. It might be, God, you've given me these resources, and I'm seeing my brother and sister, one of your children, in need of something physical, material needs. But my mom and dad taught me that if you work hard and you lift yourself up by your bootstraps, the world's your oyster and anything can happen, and um, apparently they haven't done that. So... I'm thinking that person's just lazy, and I really don't want to help at all. So I'm going to you, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because whatever your will is, I will do it. And if you want me to help my brother and sister right here, tell me. Because everything I have doesn't belong to me. It actually belongs to you. What do you want me to do in this situation? That's talking confidently before God. That's being authentic before God. Sometimes we cherry our prayers before God. Instead of getting into that deeper, into me you see, Lord. Into me you see. God already knows our hearts. Let's go before him. And when we do so, the Holy Spirit transforms us more and more into his image. And it's that kind of open honesty and transparency with God that encourages us to even go before him with confidence even more. And encourages us to go ahead and look at his commandments and take it even more serious. God, I don't like this commandment. It's really hard for me to do, and it's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm going to have to sacrifice, but I'm passionate for you. So help me to live out your commandments the way you want me to. That's being honest and bold and confident before God. See, not only do we, do we love sacrificially by the spirit of truth, we can ask God to bless with abundance that which we do for others, and we also ask God to bless us to his glory, that whatever resources we have is to offer is just pleasing to his eye. And it's that intimacy and fellowship with God we receive what we ask because we are motivated by this otherworldly, holy, divine, perfect and perfecting love that brings forth life and invest in ourselves and others, that brings forth life. all of God's creation. And it's not a holy bait and switch that we're trying to get God to do something we want. It's, it, it comes into a deeper relational level that we begin to be passionate about God's commandments and joining his mission and purpose in the world. And John concludes, by this we know that he abides in us by a spirit that he has given us. To do what pleases God, to align ourselves with his will. And if we align ourselves with the will, we join him in his purpose for the world. And, and we will pray into his will and we will live out his will and we will please him because we love and reveal love from within his will. And if we do so, our passion will be plastered like billboards. Our passion for Christ and for his passions for the world every step that we take. So our challenge this week 
What areas in your life are you loving God and others well? What people or groups or believers are hardest for you to love? Where is God convicting your heart? And do your passions reveal a willingness to sacrifice for our brothers and sisters or cause our brothers and sisters to become sacrificed for our passions? And so there's little uh, challenge prompts out there in the lobby. I encourage everybody to take it home. This would be a really good conversation around dinner, be conversations in small groups, be good to journal under. And with that, we're excited because we've been talking about amazing grace. We've been talking about God's love. We've been talking about sacrifice. And it's in the sacrifice of Christ and the night before he was betrayed that he gave a commandment that we are to go and when we come together, we are to remember his, his death and his body. We are to remember his blood and his covenant, new covenant for the forgiveness of sin. And this morning we're participating in communion. Communion is a sacrament that restores us more into the image of God and joins us together as brothers and sisters as we talk about loving one another, as we talk about living in the spirit of truth and life. And the table is open. We have an open table. And by participating, you are making a public declaration of faith in Christ as your Savior and your Lord, of the Lord of your life. And if possible, would you please stand for the reading of God's word as we prepare our hearts to take communion together. Matthew 26, 26 through 30. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they had, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And now to, to further prepare our hearts. <clears throat> Let's all say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The table is open, and you come forward and And take of the, of the blood and the body of Christ, return to your seats, and we will all enjoy in communion as one body.
body of Christ. And right here, you are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is broke open for the world. May we as a body break open for the world. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of many. Take and drink in remembrance of him. And may he be pure unto everlasting life.